Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Isaiah chapter 49 as he begins with an example of 9-11. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. 9-11. That's a day. Ten years ago, it never be the same for us, this date. And this is the 10th anniversary day when Muslims attacked the U.S. and we could ask the question, what did they really attack when they attacked our, our country? They, it, 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 it's interesting because when you go to the radical Muslim sites, the blog sites, there's a question that they ask. You know what that question is? That question is, how many Jews died in the World Trade Center? Now, it's not reported very much in the media as a focus that 9-11 was an attack on a Jewish population, but the reality is, is that they hit the most heavy, the heaviest Jewish population in the U.S. And that's what they're asking the question for. It's, it wasn't by mistake that they did. And how many did they kill? 500. About 500 Jewish people were killed at the World Trade Center, representing about 17% of the dead from the attack which is about seven times higher than the Jewish population in the U.S., which is 2%. So it was a focused attack, not just on the U.S., but on the Jewish people. On the U.S. also, because they support Israel. This last week, the Israeli embassy was, uh, was ransacked and destroyed in Cairo, in Egypt. Maybe you read about that. And in less than two weeks, a U.N. resolution will come to the floor against Israel, against the Jewish people, to form a Palestinian state, which will likely include our president's proposal that Israel become vulnerable by going back to the 1967 borders. So 9-11 was the beginning, you might say, in our time period here, a very short time period, of a renewed attacks on the Jewish people. So in the light of 9-11... What is God's commission to us? What is the take-home message for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Apart from trying to make our country more secure and giving the homeland security more powers and being more inconvenienced when you go to airports, what's the take-home message from 9-11? Well, I think we get that from the book of Isaiah in chapter 40. Let's turn to that. The first 11 verses of Isaiah chapter 40. What's God say? Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received, or tasted, of the Lord's hand double for all her sins." The voice of one that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. 
The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Now, if you go down to verse 26, same chapter. Lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Here's our take-home message for 9-11. What is it? We've got a commission from God. What's the commission? To comfort once, and then to comfort a second time. Comfort who? Who's the object of the comfort? My people. God's people. The Jewish people. Everyone, every one of us should comfort. Each one should should contribute his part in the comfort of this. This is God's rally call. He's calling to us. And he's saying to us, bring comfort to the Jewish people. What kind of comfort? A comfort from a message. A comfort from a message. Speak, he says. Teach them. Because why? Because in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, God's speaking about his people. He said, my people are destroyed. What kind of destruction? Hell destruction. Eternal destruction. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't know. There's a lack of knowledge. So he says, speak to them, teach them, tell them. How should we bring the message? How are we supposed to speak to them? He says, comfortably. Speak comfortably. What does that mean, speak comfortably? That means speak to their heart. Speak to the, don't don't speak in a fierce way. Don't speak in a, a condemning way. Don't speak in a you killed Christ way. But speak to the heart to charm them, to soothe them, to quiet their fears by whatever means, God says. The time is now. The time of grace is now. So speak to them because they don't know. Maybe they don't know because they don't want to know. But teach them anyway. Speak anyway. Maybe they don't know because no one ever told them because they, like me, lived in a, in a, in a totally insulated Jewish environment as I was growing up. All my friends were Jewish. No one ever talked about God. No one ever talked about the Messiah. No one ever talked about how, how to be saved from sins. No one ever talked about heaven and hell. No one ever talked about who is Jesus. No one. 
And so that's our role. We speak to them. We speak comfortably to the heart. Who spoke comfortably to the heart? Joseph. Joseph spoke comfortably to the heart. Genesis 50, verse 21, you remember when his brothers were frightened at him because he had just made the big revelation, I am Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And they were frightened and were wondering, is now the time of vengeance? And it says there, it says, now therefore fear you not. He says, I will nourish you and the little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Speak like Joseph. Speak comfortably like God speaks to Israel. In Hosea 2.14, he says this, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. He says, And bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. Speaking to the heart. Now, speak, though, with an urgency. Why? Because, the, because it says here, Cry unto her. Cry unto her. There's an urgency about it. And what are we to say? What's our message to the Jewish people? Well, it says in verse 2, two messages. First, the warfare is over. It's finished. The warfare is over. All the warfare between man and God, it's done. It's been finished because of the cross. The warfare is over. You remember that story about the the Japanese man who was in the Philippines for for such a long time, decades after the war was over, and he didn't know, and he had his rusted-out carbine and so forth, and they had to send people from Japan over to the Philippines with a big loudspeaker to tell this Japanese person, the war's over. You can come out, and he didn't believe it at first, but gradually he, he understood, and he came out. That's our message. The war's over. What war? As it says in Isaiah, he says, your sins have separated between you and your God. And they cause the warfare. There's an enmity that's going on. But God, but the message, our message is that war's over because of what he did at the cross. He settled it all there. He said the warfare is over. That's the first message that we bring. And the second one is your iniquity is pardoned. The, what, the, the, the basis for that war, what's separated between you and your God, it's been dealt with. You don't, have to, you don't have to try to atone for it yourself on Yom Kippur. You don't have to, you don't have to try to do the 613 laws to, to try to somehow counterbalance, counterbalance the, the scale which is against you. It's done. The iniquity is pardoned. That's great news. He says that. He's, and then he says, be a voice in the wilderness. We're to be that voice in the wilderness. What kind of voice in the wilderness? Well, we recognize very clearly when we read verse 3, don't we? The voice of him crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. We know who that's referring to, don't we? That's referring to John the Baptist, isn't it? Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, that was John the Baptist, because it says there, in those days, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, what did he say? He said, repent. He said, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then it says, and this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, where we are now in chapter 40, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So the message that, that is to be brought is, yes, the warfare is over. Yes, iniquity is pardoned. But also, make a straight path for God. What's that mean? Repent. Turn around. Don't continue in sin. That's also the message to be brought, is that get ready to receive the pardon for iniquity. How do you get ready to receive the pardon for iniquity? Don't continue 
in iniquity, in your own personal sin. But to change that, make a way for the Lord to come so that you can receive this gift, turn away. That's what John the Baptist preached. Without repentance or turning away from sin, you can't receive God's gift of, of, of peace and of pardon. You can't. And so that was the message. You know, most evangelism today goes like this. A person is asked if they have 100% assurance that when they die, that they would go to heaven. And the tendency after that among the the lost is they say, no, I don't have 100% assurance that when I die, I go to heaven. Who can have 100% assurance that they die, I go to heaven? Unless you have the Spirit of God inside of you witnessing to you, you're going to heaven. You're a child of God. You're going to heaven. With that, the Spirit of God inside, which comes to believers, then you can be 100% sure. But if you don't have so, that, so then the, uh, people say, well, no, I don't have that. And so they say, well, would you like to? If I can show you from the Bible, would you, would you agree? Now, in that, in that method, there is a promise of life made to the person. In other words, the person is saying, I promise you, based on the Bible, you can read it right here, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I promise you life. I promise you life. Now, without ever mentioning that personal sin that you have in your life, you need to leave that sin. Without ever mentioning that. But there's a promise made of life. Now, God has something to say about that type of evangelism. And turn to it, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 22. Now, in this passage, God, of course, wants to save people. He says, of course, he's a saving God. He's a God who loves to keep his eye on the sparrow and to watch over. That's who God is. He's a shepherd God. But that type of promise of life without, without, uh, without leaving sin is addressed in Ezekiel 13, 22. Notice what it says. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. Now, no, no, notice this next part. And strengthen the hands of the wicked that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. By promising him life. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ said to, to those that he healed? He said, thou art made whole, in John 5, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto you. Remember what he said to the woman who was caught in adultery? Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more, he said. God says that to promise life without leaving sin actually strengthens the person in their wickedness. Why? Because it removes the fear of death. And God has a purpose for people, for the lost, to have a fear of death. Because it's that that will drive them to, to, to be saved. Not just, so when someone comes along and says, well, I'm going to promise you life, you just pray this simple prayer, then we're done and you're going to heaven, and, and, uh, and uh, here's some other verses for you. You, you, you have to be very careful because that can make the person twofold the child of hell. Once because he's going to hell, and the other time because you removed the fear of death and you made him a promise of life. Now, we just finished our Summer Blitz campaign where, praise the Lord, 145 Bible students worked a total of 70,000 hours in seven cities across the U.S., and they were bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. And it was not easy. It was not easy at all. Now, let me tell you some of the things that happened. The police kicked them out of seven cities and threatened to arrest them. They were spit in the face. They had water thrown in their face. They were threatened to be shot. They had two car accidents. One car was totaled. Four girls were sent to the hospital in ambulances. They worked, you remember this last summer, through record heat and humidity. 
in Brooklyn and Upper Manhattan and Philadelphia and Miami, Miami, and Chicago. And these are not easy places. We had to do an emergency, an emergency supply of, of uh, two quarts of water per person out there. Fifty men slept between pews in Brooklyn and got staph infections in a, in a church with just two bathrooms. I hope you wash your hand after you come to church today. <laughs> it was a lot of walking for them. They, we had one student give up because his feet hurt. It was too hard on his feet. And I got messages that were relayed back to me, actually, by, by uh, my Pastor Torres here, where he said, tell Mr. Cantor we're working really hard out here. <laughs> but they didn't give up. They didn't give up. And you know why they were able to move through all of those obstacles and continue on, apart from the fact they were being paid for it? You know why they were able to do that? Because of verse 4. Because there were valley obstacles that blocked them from going forward, and God removed for them the valley obstacles by bringing up the valleys. There were mountain obstacles that blocked the way from, their, from them going forward, and God removed the mountain obstacles for them by bringing the mountains down. There were crooked and rough places obstacles that blocked them from going forward, and God made those crooked places straight and those rough places plain so that they could keep on going. And because God did all that for them, they were able to knock on 800,000 doors, encounter a half a million Jewish people, and give out 300,000 gospel testimonies, booklets, for, and DVDs. And all summer long, they comforted the Jewish people as they cried out to them. But you know what? They weren't alone in what they did. Because verse 3, notice verse 3, it says there was the prophet's voice, and that was called the voice of him that crieth. But look at verse 6, because there was another voice called the voice said cry. So whose voice is the second voice? That's the voice of the Spirit of God that was in them, in the prophet, that said cry, cry to the Jewish people. Now, why was the prophet here crying to the Jewish people? Why did the prophet have this pressing sense of urgency? Because from verse 6, we know why. Because it was the other voice. It was the other voice. It was the voice inside the prophet. It was the Spirit of God voice. It was the voice behind the prophet. It was the commanding voice that was there. And it was saying to the prophet, cry to the Jewish people. Who the prophet maybe would likely not have done. I mean, I remember my case uh, after I went around with Pastor Jim to, to uh, a few Jewish homes and he introduced me as, here's one of your own. And from those reactions, I decided I want to become a Gentile. Where do I sign up? <laughs> but anyway, certainly not to go back to them with the cry voice. But over a period of time, just like with the prophet, I heard the command, cry unto them, the second voice in verse 6. Let's think about that second voice. You know, when you look at the book of Romans, wonderful uh, uh, summary of the whole of the Old Testament. It's a great book. You know, the, the, we used, in Takati, we give out the book of John and the book of Romans. The book of John is somewhat of a summary of, well, the whole Bible, but especially the New Testament and Romans speaking about the Old Testament. And in Romans, there's one chapter that's just very interesting, chapter 8. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit chapter of Romans. You know, in all the book of Romans, the word spirit appears 22 times. But in the book of, in the chapter 8, it appears 14 times. So the Holy Spirit chapter is chapter 8. 
Now, you remember that there were 12 apostles, but only one apostle put his head on the chest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember? It's John, right? John was the only apostle that did that. They all could have, but John was the one who did that. And so he heard the heartbeat of God, so to speak. Well, when you come to, to, to Romans 8, it's like the writer Paul has put his head on the chest of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, he's gotten just this close to the Spirit of God in Romans chapter 8. And so it was his turn, and he did that. And it's interesting because lifting his head up from Romans chapter 8, he comes and he says in Romans chapter 9, he says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. That's the other voice. That's the other voice that was in the prophet Isaiah. He says, he said, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow. Where? In my heart. Such to the point where I could wish that myself were accursed for Christ, from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Really, Paul? I can't say that. That's what he said. Tom, this is an amazing passage of scriptures from Isaiah chapter 49, and how that God felt like he was almost laboring in vain. Have you ever felt in doing Jewish evangelism work like you were just laboring in vain and not seeing a lot of fruit from what you were doing? Everybody who has worked with the Jewish people in trying to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ feels what this chapter in Isaiah 49 is speaking about when it says so clearly that I have labored in vain. And you you really have to step back and to ask the question, who are you doing this for? Are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing this so that you can say, look how many? Or are you doing this for God? And when you realize that you're doing it for God, then you realize that one person is already enough. And it's almost like insulting to say something like, well, I got five, I got 10, I got 20, I got... Because God puts so much value on the one person. I mean, would you disparage the Lord Jesus Christ because he only had 12? Just 12? You know, if you're, looking, if you're working for yourself or you're working for other people, you're going to be looking at those kind of things, those numbers. But if you're working for God, you're going to say, Lord, I've invested in this one person. I've really, this one person... And so, when you look at the most part, when you look at the the whole picture and you say, well, did they all come to the Lord Jesus Christ? No, you got to be honest and say, no, they didn't. And that's when you're going to be tempted to say, I labored in vain. But when you look at it from God's perspective and you say, this person I have built up in the Lord Jesus Christ, I have strengthened his faith, I have fed him, he's a sheep of God, then God looks at you and he smiles and he says, Good, good. And then all that feeling about laboring in vain, it goes out the window. It's not important. It doesn't weigh down you anymore because you realize that it's for God. And if it's for God, he puts so much value on the one sheep. He says he'll leave the 90 and 9 sheep and he'll go off and risk his own life 
for the one sheep. So if he puts that much value on the one sheep, then you come along and you fed the one sheep. You encouraged the one sheep. You built the one sheep up. You brought him closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you're, 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 you're investing in the one that he was willing to go leave the 90 and 9 for. If it was just a numbers game, then he would have said, ah, the one who cares about I got 90 and 9, that's good. But it's not a numbers game because he says the number that's important for him is the number one. It's the one sheep. And so when you really get that mentality, which is God point of view and God's mentality in your mind, then you're not discouraged and you're not saying I've wasted my time. And that's the goal of Jewish evangelism is to be able to say, Lord, here's your sheep that went astray. I brought him or her back to you or strengthened and fed him. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom Cantor will finish his message from Isaiah 49. Today's message and previous messages are available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. There you'll learn more about Tom Cantor and study more about having friendship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can also contact us directly and receive a copy of today's broadcast or any other broadcast or resources or materials. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. You can send an email to Tom Cantor as well at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening. And join us again tomorrow at the same time.